Melissa, that was wonderful. We had a full choir going on up there. It's growing. And I have to say, Ray, that I love that touch. That was, that was beautiful. The, the way the, the drums were and, and the maracas, uh, that was awesome. I really enjoyed that. It's good to see you all. And if you want to turn to Second uh, Peter chapter 1, we'll be there in just a little bit. But while you're turning there, I want to tell you something I heard this week. I uh, hope I get a ride home after, after services for telling this. And you'll understand why in a minute. But there was this guy, and he decided to eat at this restaurant. And he didn't realize it was one of those fancy upscale restaurants that the lights are down really low, and it's for couples to go to. And he was by himself, and he couldn't see no further than his dinner plate. But he heard some voices behind him and knew that it was some ladies. And so he kind of turned over his shoulder and began talking, and he said, Would you like to hear a blonde joke? And the lady said, Well, let me tell you before you begin... I'm about six foot, I'm blonde, and I'm a mixed martial artist. The two gals that are with me, that are my companions, are also blonde. They're also over six foot. One of them is a professional wrestler, and the other one is a kickboxer and a bodybuilder. So, before you begin to tell your joke, you might want to think about it. So he, he thought about it for a minute, and then he turned around, and he said, Well... You're right, I'm not going to tell it. I'd hate to have to try to explain it three times. (laughs) Okay, like I said, my wife's blonde and I hope I get a ride home tonight. But, how many times have you said I would like to hit the lottery? How many times have you said, man, if I could just hit the lottery, things would look up and be so good. We would be like Homer Simpson up there. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. And things would be so good for me and everything would fall into place and I would be happy and I wouldn't need anything else from anybody. Well, well, I was thinking about our text today of Laodicea. I googled the fate of lottery winners. And it wasn't what you would think that it would be. The headlines that I got back was astounding. One after another. Had one from Time Magazine that the lady had talked to several of the winners. The tragedies that happen in life. The sorrow, the unfulfilled. Most of them said, I wish I had never hit the lottery. Because it has turned out worse than I could ever imagine that it would be. And it wasn't just that. And the lady came up with some statistics that said 70% of the big lottery winners are broke. Broke, mind you, and needing money within a couple of years. So it's not what you think. And over and over the headlines from CNN, from CNBC, from Bloomberg, Business Insider, it didn't matter. All there was was stories about how the upheaval and the change of life because I hit the lottery, I wasn't prepared for what would happen next in my life. There was marriages ruined, lives separated, tragedies happened in life. And they said, it's the curse of the lottery is what they named it. Story after story, ETV did documentaries on it. 
it was a curse and not what you would think that it was going to be. I see the promise of big money. I see the pearly white teeth smile and the money falling down in the commercial and it's all to lure you into something that has a false hood behind it that's not going to deliver the happiness that you thought that it would. But I am going to tell you straight up today that if you will listen to the words of Scripture that we're going to see today, that you hit the spiritual lottery. The promise that is in the Word of God for our life and how to handle life, good and bad things, there is no comparison, there is no monetary amount that you can put on it for what we are going to learn today if we will accept it and listen. First principle that we need to know about life is this. That our capacity has to exceed demand or prosperity. Your capacity to handle things have to exceed what's being given to you. Satan's worldly system tries to give you things, good and bad, and if you do not have the capacity to handle it, it will drown you, it will overtake you. Let me give you an example. Let's say that after, after services today, you're hungry and you want to go out to a restaurant. You go to DJ and Chai's or you go to Indy's or that new place in town called Holy Smoke Barbecue. And you go there and you're drinking your water and your glass is about half empty and the lady comes by and she says, oh, would you like me to fill that up for you? And you say, sure would. And she comes over and she comes by with your little glass and she starts going, say when, say when. That two-gallon jug that she has, your, your cup's not going to hold it, is it? That's what I'm talking about with your capacity, your cup. Everyone has a cup. You know, we're going to talk in a minute, Psalm 23, where my cup runneth over. That's in a good way. In a bad way, my cup is my capacity for handling what's being poured out to me by this world. Is my capacity able to handle What's being given to me. If not, what happens is, is I have a big mess on my hands, don't I? Pretty soon it overflows out of the cup, onto the table, onto your food, onto your clothes, onto the floor. If we don't have the capacity to handle what's happening. And it doesn't have to be just with good things, but bad things. It's everything in life in the situations. Some examples. Laodicea is going to be riches, like the lottery. You think, I can handle that. Well, maybe not, because the good things are subtle. The good things are sneaky. They're good, right? So how can it be bad? But it can. It can overtake you. But bad things as well. Let me give you a few examples. What about words? Something as simple as words. Did you know that Words can cut like a knife. How do you handle criticism? Critique. 
How do you handle it whenever people is constantly criticizing you, critiquing what you do, you're not good enough, you can't do the job? What's your capacity to handle words? What about when they just constantly put you down? They try to make you look little in front of the friends so that they look bigger. I had a friend of mine said that they like to wield a sword and cut you off at the knees so you're shorter and they look taller. Are you able to handle that? What about lies? What about deceit? What's your capacity to handle those things? What about something good? Let's take promotion. Hey, I just got promoted to supervisor. I'm no longer a worker bee. Are you able to handle promotion? How many times have you been at work and you say to the guy or the gal who just got the promotion and a month later everybody's saying, that really went to their head, didn't it? Boy, they're not the same person that they were. Are you able to handle it? What is your capacity, good or bad? Life is going to have issues. Life is going to have trials. And life is going to have good things and blessings. Are we able to handle it? Every aspect of life depends upon being able to handle it. If I can't, what do I do? How do I fix it? How do I go about being able to handle what's being poured out to me in these things? Well, you hear me say it all the time, but I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to say it as long as I live. I pray that I do. That the Lord allows me to continue to say this and have this mindset. That there's nothing more important for you to be able to handle life than the Word of God. Everything that is in the Word of God was put there by divine knowledge to help you and I handle and have the capacity for life. The answer to every situation is there if we will know it, if we will believe it, and we accept it and make it real to us. The Word of God, folks, has the ability to expand your capacity to handle things in life. That's why I'm all the time talking about categories. You know, there's categories in the Word of God that the Scriptures cover. How about temptation? How about that one? Well, the Word of God makes a promise concerning temptation in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13. And that promise is this. There is no temptation that has overtaken you except what is common among mankind. But, I love the but gods in here. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Put in capacity. He will not allow you to be tempted to have something happen beyond your capacity to be able to handle it, but he will provide for you a way of escape. Insert knowledge of the word of God there. He will provide a way of escape for you that you will be able to bear it. God is faithful and his word is true. Category temptation. If you are mine... And if you are walking in my light and you are taking my word in unto you, 
I will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. And that's a promise from God. He says, I will expand your capacity to be able to handle that temptation. And with that knowledge and capacity, you will have a way of escape from it. What about pain, anguish, sorrow, depression, anxiety, mental and emotional issues? I like Isaiah 26. You know, Jesus is called the great physician. When you go to a physician, most of the times they want to give you a prescription for something nowadays, don't you? Well, let's just look at all of these promises and verses in the Word of God as a prescription for your life. So I come in and I have these problems. He gives me a prescription. One of my favorite prescriptions is Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. It says there that I will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Trust you in the Lord God Jehovah forever for in the Lord is everlasting strength. There's your prescription. You got a troubled mind, a troubled heart? Keep your mind stayed on me. Keep your mind stayed on my word, my principles, my promises, my truth. If you will keep your mind stayed on me and not on the problem and not on the temptation and not on the trial, then I promise you that I will provide perfect peace. And in the Hebrew, that's the word shalom that you've probably heard doubled. It says, I will give you shalom, shalom. And that means Perfect peace is not just the mental peace, but it's complete satisfaction of life. I promise to give you everything to make you calm, secure, able to handle what's going on. I promise you that I will. Another promise, my beloved, that I give to you, the Lord says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. You might think that it's impossible, the situation you're in. But if you turn it over to me and cast your cares upon me, it says, I am able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything that you can ask or that you can even think or conjure up. By the power that is already at work within you. Did you know that if you are a child of God that you already have dynamic, supernatural power at work within you that could help you through if you will tap in to that? It's already there. You've got two things. You've got the Word of God that is supernatural. And it says that you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit upon becoming a Christian and He dwells within you. And Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says that the Word of God is alive and powerful. You have that power. And then it says in 1 John 4, 4, Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. You have got two supernatural nuclear power plants within you to provide you with everything that we're going to find out in a moment that pertains to life and godliness. If I will accept it, really believe it, and tap into that and use it 
I have more power, capacity, and ability to handle what this life throws at me than anything else. Now, if you're there in Second Peter, in the Word, chapter 1, we'll read verses 2 through 11. And as we get ready to look at these verses, I want you to look how many times it talks about the divine power of God for your life and how that you tap into it through knowledge of His Word. Let's read these because this is a stretch of precious promises that can mean the world to you. 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Isn't that what the world is seeking? Grace and peace and contentment. It's not only promised to be given to you or added to you, it's promised to be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. You see how important the Word of God is for your life? It cannot be overemphasized or exaggerated. By which, verse 4, has been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these precious promises, you have the ability to become a part of a divine nature. You escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. And for this very reason, you should give all diligence to add to your faith, which faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So there we are, back to square one again. Add to this, give diligence to add to your knowledge that you're gaining, virtue, and then to virtue, knowledge. And you know why knowledge is now tacked on to the knowing the Word of God? That's experience. Because once you start gaining experience and you trust in these promises and you apply them to the circumstances that happen in your life, you get experience that shows you that God did get me through this one. So He is preparing me for the next one. And that experience then is giving you that second base of knowledge here that you have. Add to that knowledge self-control. Once you begin to see that He is able to do these things and that He is protecting and guiding you and and watching your steps, then you have self-control. When that person starts to talk about me, I have self-control because I've turned it over to Him. I've seen Him handle every situation so far. I turn it over to Him. Whenever I have a bill that I can't pay, I turn it over to Him. Whatever the situation is in life, I begin to now have self-control. I don't lash out. I don't respond. I don't take revenge. I get self-control by having this knowledge and this experience behind me. And then I add to that perseverance. Sometimes it's hard to keep on doing it. But now I have to add perseverance to keep doing it. And then godliness starts to develop. And then through godliness we get brotherly kindness and then love. And then he makes a promise to you. Look at verse 8 there. If these things are yours, if these things are yours and abound, that means your capacity is expanding in life, you will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's your knowledge again. He who lacks these things, though, if you brush it off, 
If you're going to say, I heard that, but I don't believe it. If you brush it off, it says that you're going to lack these things then for your life. And you're going to lack capacity. And you will be short-sighted, even to blindness. And we'll see that with Laodicea in a minute. You've forgotten that you were cleansed from your sins. And therefore, brethren, again, he adjures us to be even the more diligent then to make your calling and election sure. Because if you do these things, now here's a promise in the word of God and he can't lie and not be God. If you do these things, you will never, and that's a big word, stumble. And an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly. Again, we're expanding into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see all the promises in those nine verses there for us? Do you see how powerful that can be for your life? If you will accept it and begin to respond and do it. What the word of God is. Isn't that what we want? Contentment, peace, multiplied to us. A satisfied mind. Growing through the grace and the knowledge of him. And the precious promises he gives. You've got the word of God. You've got Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living within you. Redeeming you and washing you in blood. You have nothing to fear. The divine word, the Lord Jesus, diligently add these things to your life. Whatever it is that you face, whatever your category and your application, apply it there. Now, we're taking the scenic route, like I said, to Laodicea. We're laying this as a foundation for where they fell short at so that we don't fall short in this area. So before we go there, let's look at a real life thing from the word of God to kind of illustrate these principles for us just about everyone has heard the truth of David and Goliath and what happened with that story it's first Samuel 17 is one of our Berean chapters for this week to look and to read that chapter and to gain more knowledge of what we're going to talk about here but David had to face some big adversities in his life just in that one chapter of his life that he had You know, not only did he have to face a giant in Goliath, but he had to face his dad telling him what to do. When he got there, he had to face his elder brother Eliab jabbing at him with the words that we talked about a minute ago. And then he had to take the critique and the put down of King Saul that you're not able to do this before he ever engaged and faced the giant. Eliab said to him, when he arrived, why are you here? Where's, where's your little sheep herd that you have out in the wilderness? Shouldn't you be back there with them? I know why you're here. The evil, the naughtiness of your heart has brought you here just to see what's going on. You know what the real reason was? Resentment. Because Eliab is a commander in the, in the Lord's army. And he's afraid to face Goliath. And his little brother is saying, I don't have a fear. And so to look big in front of the rest of his troops, he has to stand there and put him down. David absorbs it and deflects it and move on. He doesn't engage with him. He just said, what have I done to cause you to say that? And he moves on. He deflects and he doesn't allow it to bring him down to that level. He has been expanding his capacity to handle 
verbal abuse. And then they take him to King Saul. And when King Saul sees him, he says, You're puny. You've got no experience. You can't go fight a giant. He says, let me tell you about the experiences that I've had in the wilderness that prepared me, expanded my capacity to be able to handle the giants in my life through the experiences that I've already went through and I saw that the Lord handled for me. Now, I was prepared for a moment like this. I didn't just happen into it. All the time while David was out there in the wilderness... Watching over those sheep, God was preparing him because he was accepting what God was giving him. David will explain by divine inspiration how he was able to do this in Psalm 4 and verse 1. This psalm was written after that battle with Goliath. This psalm was written with the reverse view of what happened. And he says this in verse 1, Hear me when I call. O God of my righteousness, you have enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Lord, I realize it's not me that was worthy. It is you that is my righteousness. I give you the credit. I cried out to you for help and you enlarged my capacity to be able to handle the distress And that word distress means the enemy, the adversary, the thing that is coming against you in life. You heard my cries to you and you enlarged my ability to be able to handle it. And you won a victory through that. I trusted in you to do that. I had one of these whenever I was a kid and I loved it. Whenever the word talks about enlarging, it's expanding your capacity If this is my cup, I don't have very much capacity. But as I study the word of God and as I trust and apply those promises and I take them in and I build a foundation that edifies my soul, my ability begins to expand. And then the experiences of life that shows that that word of God was true expands me more and more. And soon my ability to handle things because of the application of the word and God in my life has expanded me from who I was in a natural state into a much larger thing that has the ability to handle something. That's what David says in that verse. That's what that word means. God, his word, his spirit working within you. It's not you that's able to handle these things. But it's through him that he expands your ability to be able to handle the things. Any experience, even the failures in my life, which have been many. You are led there and you experience those things. And you even fail at those things in life. So that later you're prepared and you've learned from them so that you don't experience them again. You are expanding your capacity of knowledge and understanding of life so that jerks like Eliab, bosses like Saul, giants in your life like Goliath, 
don't affect you like they did when you was in your natural state because you have now learned and grew and have experience to excel in life. One more example real quick. I'm going to paraphrase Psalm 23 for you as you read it up there. David again, one of my favorite characters. David says, I was a shepherd boy all the way up into my late teens out there in the field. I had my little flock that Eliab talked about, yeah. But it was there while I was a shepherd that I learned some things. I learned to allow the Lord to be my shepherd. And when I did and I followed his word and his lead and the path that he led me on, I found out that I had no want. I had no needs. When the sheep and I became hungry, tired, and thirsty because of the heat of the day and the things that we've traveled, he always led me into green pastures and beside still waters. He always restored my soul. Every path that he led me down ended up being a path of righteousness, even though there were times that the path that I was on seemed dark, drear, hard, scary. It was ended up being a path of righteousness. Why? Because he's my shepherd. He loves me. I am his namesake. I'm a Christian. I bear his name. And he loves me. And so every path that he leads me on, even though it might seem like I'm surrounded by the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies coming upon me, and it seems drear, he already had a plan for me to go through. And he was going to stop the enemy's charge and part waters for me if I would trust and obey in him. Because I am his namesake and he gets the glory for what he has done in my life. Yea, even if the path that he leads me down goes to the very shadow of death, I will not fear because I know he's with me. And my shepherd who loves me and is my namesake, he's got a rod and he's got a staff that comforts and protects me. Even when I face a giant in my life like Goliath that's bad and evil and has wants to destroy me, I don't fear because his rod and his staff comforts me. Not only that, he does something else in the presence of my enemies. He likes to set a table up before me. He wants to have communion with me while the enemy is standing there raging. And upon that table that we commune at, There is oil and bread, and I got the bread of life for you, my word. And then he anoints my head with oil right in the presence of my enemies. That means that's a representation of the Holy Spirit. So there's your word and your spirit again, the divine power that is at work with you. He anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over, not in a bad way. This one's in a good way because this is his love that he's abounding and his spirit. And what he's saying is... Not only what you have the capacity for, I provide even more than that because I am taking care of the enemy for you when I do it in front of him because God loves us. So surely, surely, if I trust in this, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life 
And Lord, because you love me like that, and you take care of me that way, and that oil also represents my covenant relationship with you that you have anointed me with, I'm going to make a promise to you. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is your symbiotic relationship between you and God and His divine care for you that is promised in His Word. And these are only a couple of things. We've got the whole book that is filled with these kind of things to assure us. But that's what we want. I want to be a David. I want God to be my shepherd. And to desire His Word to be as sweet to my lips as honey from a honeycomb. But then I look and I see Laodicea. And that's where our text was today for Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. Last week we talked about how Laodicea had went from hot to lukewarm. And how it had made the Lord sick. And we say, why? What happened to him? What brought him from hot and being on fire down to a natural state, room temperature and lukewarm? Well... Revelation 3 and 17 says this, Laodicea did not have the capacity to handle riches. You know, Ephesus didn't have love. Smyrna needed the capacity to handle tragedy in their life. Be faithful to death and I'll give you a crown of life. Man, Laodicea should have had the best challenge. It was riches. Look at verse 17 there. It says... Because you say, I am rich, and I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing, and I then do not realize, the Lord says, that you are poor, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're blind, and you're naked. That's what caused them to become lukewarm, was their riches. They had reached a hot state. The Lord was blessing them because of their faithfulness. They became rich. We're going to talk more about all of this next week. But they became rich. They became blessed. And they couldn't handle it. They began to say, you know what, I'm rich. Not only am I rich, I am increased with goods. Who's getting the credit here? David said, the Lord is my shepherd and I won't want. They began to say when the Lord was doing that and providing for them and they didn't want, they began to say, I am rich. I have provided my wealth and I don't want and I have need of nothing and nobody because I am well off. I know how to get myself to that state. I have just done it. They did not give any credit to God. They actually shut the door to him because they said, because I am rich and I have prospered myself, I have need of nothing. The words there for the original udes for nothing is a powerful word. And this word means to slam a door shut on any other possibility. So what they said was, I created my wealth and I shut the door and slam it shut to any other possibility as to why I am blessed and in the state I am. And without going into the original language and seeing that, you would never get the tongue and cheek response that the Lord replies in verse 20. 
If you're in there and you look at verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. They slammed the door shut in my face because they said it was me and not you. They shut the door tight. And what happens when you shut the door tight is all of that expansion that the Lord provided with you and the blessing and the ability to handle things. And now I have shut the door and said it was me. I began to grow lukewarm. And I go back to my natural state. And now I have no ability to handle anything. I have no capacity to handle anything. Even a good thing like the blessings of wealth and riches. You've shut the door. I have need of nothing. And I am standing at the door and knocking. And I'm trying to let you know that you're wretched, you're poor, you're blind. And you have need. So as the worship team and and choir comes on back up. I present to you this question from the word of God today. Do you desire to be divinely led like David? And to be expanded? Or do you want to be a Laodicean loser? And turn your back upon the divine power and the attributes. And the word of God and the spirit. And do you want to go back to a natural state and say, I am able to handle everything upon myself? The choice is ours. David gave another thing in Psalm 1 as we close that gives you the real beauty behind all of this. He says, when your delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law you meditate day and night, he says, then you will be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, your leaf will be green and you will prosper. And you have the ability to handle prosperity because He has provided that capacity. You're beside the river of water. Your delight is in the law of the Lord. But if you shun that and you become short-sighted like Peter said, then you're going to wonder like Laodicea, why I am having problems and why I am wretched and poor and blind and allowing every word and everything to just prick me and to move me and and cause me to react. It's our choice. And I pray that today you make the choice to continue to come here to the classroom to learn. That you learn through the Berean chapters at home that you, the, the word of God, his law, is something that you desire to meditate upon day and night. And I guarantee you, he promises that I will expand your capacity for life. And that's what I think every one of us really wants, isn't it? So today, what we have learned, I truly and honestly believe, is worth more than any lottery ticket that's ever been sold in the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy and divine word that you have shared with us. We pray, Father, that we will take it in, that we will believe it, we will trust it, and we will apply it. May we be challenged by the truths that we have heard from and the promises from your word this morning. And I pray that everyone that is here will desire to pursue you and that you will be their shepherd 
And that you will provide perfect peace in life. In Jesus' name, amen.